0: Well, we had a funny thing happen this morning. I don't know if all of you were here this morning or not, but I preached a sermon on ask, seek, and knock. And uh, about halfway through my sermon, there was a lady at the time, I didn't know who it was. She was knocking on the door. Couldn't get in. It was so funny. It It was Barbara Green, I found out later, who was trying to get in. It was just hilarious. I had a couple people say as they left, they said, I thought you were going to do something funny or something. I, no, it was somebody knocking on, the, knocking on the door trying to get in. For those of you that don't know, our insurance company is making us lock all the doors uh, as the service starts. So some are helping us to go around and to lock all the doors. So we don't want you locked out. Just know that that's the door that's open. Now, when we move into the new building, I don't know how we'll change that or what we'll make different. But uh, right now, that's the door that's open right up until the service starts. And there's somebody sitting right there that will open the door if you'll come and, and knock on it. After a while, they'll do that. I wanted to bring you up on a couple of kind of housekeeping uh, things. Our building is just coming along real, real well. The roof is finished. You know, they've had a number of different layers on it, and it's finished. We're real happy about that. A week from tomorrow, the windows are coming, and uh, that's going to be great when they all get in. And then, of course, they can start working on the inside and, uh, you know, a lot of speed, and, and that's going to come together quickly. Uh, we, as you know, uh, sold all the bonds. We sold a million dollars' worth of bonds, and we were supposed to raise $500,000 uh, cash uh, on top of that, and that would pay for the building. And I think we're close uh, to the $500,000. we are not there yet. We need some more, but we're close. Uh, What we haven't included are the furnishings for that building. Now, it's a three-story building. There's going to be a lot of chairs, a lot of tables, a lot of uh, fancy stuff on the walls, you know, these uh, boards and films and cameras. I don't know all of the stuff, but we're going to have a lot of stuff in there. We're going to have the real nice restrooms for the ladies and for the men and A new, beautiful uh, choir room that's going to be state-of-the-art. There's just a lot of things. Jim's going to have an office. He's never had one. Uh, He's going to be able to uh, use that. So uh, that's going to be good. We're going to have room for two or three other offices in the building. There's going to be five or six uh, Sunday school rooms on the second and third floor. On the second floor, there's going to be an open area that we'll call a commons area, and we're talking about getting some of those, uh, I don't know if we're going to do it or not, but we're talking about getting some of those bun coffee uh, machines where they have the predetermined uh, coffee in the little bags and you just drop it in and it makes it and it's always good, uh, which would be, you know, wonderful. Uh, So, There's a lot of things that are happening. I know this morning I drove up and I hated to see that uh, thing all around the building next to us over there. That's going to hurt us uh, for parking for a period of time. So please, those of you that walk well, park uh, farther away from the building. Uh, In fact, park as far away from the building as you can so that the people that have difficulty walking can park uh, right up. There's somebody coming to the door. Let's see how it goes. Oh, he got in. Somebody didn't lock the door. (laughs) It just gets funnier. So uh, there's a a lot of things going on. I've been trying as best I could to get some folks lined up to teach some classes and to get a discipleship class and a new Christian class and... uh, Folks that are coming from a different uh, theological background that they can um, come in and know what we believe and how we express that belief, uh, all about the programs of our church and things like that. So it's things are really going well. I just wanted to tell you, you know, we hear a lot of bad news and we hear about a lot of our friends that are sick or dying or something like that. You know, we need some good news. And the good news is, is that all of this is going real well, and we're real excited about it. It's coming along. Um, I think when we open the building, we're going to have uh, five classes in that building. Don't hold me to it, but I think that's what we're going to have. We're going to have some uh, classes down at the, uh, in the Fellowship Hall, and there's going to be a separate. Uh, fellowship area down there and another fellowship area on the second floor where that commons area will be and there'll be some ch- comfortable chairs around there if you'd like to sit down we're getting an extra large size elevator uh... in the building so it's not going to take any time for you to go up or down uh... with a big elevator you know everybody doesn't come out at the same time some people want to stop and powder their nose and some want to talk for a while and so that that's not going to be any problem things are going to work out uh, real well and it's it's just exciting to think about uh, that coming well there's a lot of other things but uh, I just wanted to kind of run those by you Uh, I hope that uh, this new building will afford us the opportunity to teach a lot of people about Jesus That's the purpose of it, uh, to help a lot of people come to the Lord. Uh, I've had two or three families express to me that they want to do a uh, family night in their home, you know, have kind of a Bible study at their house. So that's exciting. That's going to happen. A lot of people that visit our church uh, want to go to a group uh, that meets in homes. And so we're going to have that. Um, we're also uh, going to have an opportunity for folks to have different studies during uh, the week in the new building. Now, it's going to be by a card system. You've got to have a card to get in at these odd times. It's kind of like this insurance thing uh, with the doors, Uh, This is, we don't have a choice about this, we have to do it. Uh, It's very difficult for churches to get insurance, and so, you know, we have to kind of do what they say. So if we're going to have a policy, and of course we need a policy, uh, these are some of the things that we have to do. And we'll be explaining all of that uh, as we go along. Well, tonight, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew 12, beginning in verse 46. Tonight I want to talk with you about uh, relationships. This morning, in our worship service, I know there were 25 visitors. Uh, As I sat there, I looked, you know, in each section, and if I didn't know them, if I, you know, didn't know who they were, I counted them as a visitor, and there were uh, 25 or 26 that I counted. Now, you know, at the end of the service on Sunday morning, many times I'll say, please welcome those guests that are around you. You know, the last thing that we want said about our church is that somebody came to visit us and nobody ever said hello to them. So at the end of the service, when you are uh, turning around, meet the folks that are around. That is so important. Friday night, uh, Cindy and I had two couples over to our house that had been visiting our church, and they said, uh, you know, that's the friendliest church. It's just unbelievable how friendly it is. We've been to some really cold churches. Well, you know, that's a very, very important thing. In the day when you're nothing but a, a number on the computer, you know, there needs to be some high touch. There needs to be some interaction. Uh, With people. You know, we don't want to just have the sermon on the computer where you tune in from your house and uh, watch it and never get out. You know, we want to have an opportunity for people to fellowship together. Uh, That's a big part of what Christianity is all about. And I want to talk about that with you tonight. Well, let's look at the text. While Jesus was still speaking to the multitude, behold, his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. And someone said to him, behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But he answered the one who was telling him and said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, behold, my mother and my brothers for whosoever does the will of my father who is in heaven. He is my brother and sister and mother. Now Jesus is in a house. It says the multitude, but I don't think a multitude could fit in the house. Uh, he's in a house and the family comes And they want to talk to Jesus. And so someone runs the message in, Hey, uh, Lord, your uh, family's out there. They want to talk to you. Uh, This gave a graphic illustration uh, that Jesus could give about personal relationships. And personal relationships are what uh, builds uh, our church, what builds Christianity. You know, you can send out a lot of posters and a lot of emails and stuff, but none of that takes the place of a personal relationship with somebody. Uh, The scripture says, while he was still speaking to the multitudes, this was in his house, it says in, in chapter 13, verse 1, his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. When Jesus gets this word, he answers... Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Now, you know, there were Mary and Joseph. Well, by this time, Joseph has been dead. We don't know exactly how long, but for a good time. So he's, he's not in the picture. He's not there. Uh, Jesus' immediately family, immediate family consisted of his mother, Mary, and his half-brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas. This is not Judas Iscariot and his half-sisters, who are not named. After the resurrection, all of the family believed in Jesus as the Savior. They accepted him as their Lord, as the Messiah, all of that. Now, his brother James uh, became the pastor of the Jerusalem church, which was the largest church in Christendom. There was a big church in Antioch, but there was a big church in Jerusalem. And he was also the author of that epistle that bears his name, the same James. During Jesus' preaching and teaching ministry, there is no clear evidence that any of his family believed in him until after the resurrection. Now, Mary did, but none of the other family members believed in Christ. Until after the resurrection event. Well, we're told specifically that his brothers did not believe in him in John 7, verse 5. So we know that for a fact, but later they did. Now, we are not told in the scripture why uh, Mary and the uh, brothers and sisters came. Uh, We don't know that for sure, but we uh, have some good guesses. I've read a number of the commentaries about this, and and they all say the same thing. So uh, probably uh, that's the reason. It seems reasonable to assume that they were greatly concerned about Jesus' safety. Now, up until this time, he started out just kind of working with his disciples. He chose the disciples. He began to teach the disciples. And then he began to uh, heal people and do all the miracles and everything. Well, gradually, as time moved forward in his three-and-a-half-year public ministry, he became more severe in his criticism of the scribes and Pharisees with each passing month. I mean, it got to where it was really uh, pretty bitter. Uh, and his family, of course, uh were very concerned about his welfare because the scribes and the Pharisees had a tremendous amount of power and authority uh, in the Holy Land at that time. They feared what some of his hometown friends were saying, that Jesus had lost his mind. Uh, Mark uh, 3.21 said that, that he has lost his senses Every once in a while, don't all of us uh, do some things that uh, makes people think we've kind of lost it? Uh, I do those kind of things regularly. Uh, I imagine you do. I think we all do. Uh, His condemnation of the scribes and Pharisees had grown to such intensity at this point They were so serious at this point that the leaders, in turn, they got tired of that. They got tired of somebody telling them they were a brood of vipers. And so they began to meet together, to have uh, ecclesiastical meetings, if you will. And they were going to decide about how to get Jesus killed. They didn't want him. Uh, talking they didn't want him saying ugly things about them they didn't want him uh, accusing them of anything that was wrong uh, so they began to say as you know we've already talked about this they begin to accuse him of operating under satan's power see there was a choice there were only two sources of power power from god and power from satan and they, didn't, they sure didn't want to say that it was the power of God because that would have validated his uh, message. So they began to say the only thing that they could say uh, was that uh, he was operating through the power of Satan. And you know the big argument. We've talked about that two or three Sunday nights about how can you say that I'm doing this in the power of Satan when I'm doing the things that God would want done. And so Jesus just overpowered them intellectually and theologically, and uh, just kind of ruled the day. Well, their plan was to destroy Jesus. That was first point, point number one, goal number one, was to kill Jesus. And probably these rumors had been circulating around among the people, and the family had heard it, and they come to... uh, talk to him, and try and encourage him maybe to tone it down or to leave town for a while. Um, The mother and brothers uh, and sisters, they were hoping to dissuade him uh, from continuing on the pace that he's going. I mean, he's working day and night. He's preaching, healing, teaching day and night. I mean, he's really moving it. He's he's moving the uh, focus of power. The people, of course, that are healed, follow him, believe in him. Uh, Many other people are beginning to listen to him, believe him, follow him. And the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they're looking over here, and their crowd's getting smaller. So they're thinking, we've got to do something about this guy. This guy is messing up what we're doing. He's preaching exactly the opposite message from what we're preaching. So we've got to get rid of him. Well, the family is saying, go to a safe place. Go to another country. You know, they'll forget about you. You know, uh, we have something on the news. And, you know, we think it's a real big thing. And then six months later, we, we couldn't tell you anything about it. Do you know who Miss America was two years ago? You know, that was a big thing. It's front page of the paper, all that. Well, do, does anybody know who that was? No. Nobody does. You know, We see all kinds of records set in different sports, and we think, you know, this is very important. This is only done once and all that. And a little while later, we don't, we don't know. Or somebody sells a company for so much money, we think, oh, isn't that unbelievable? It's so big, so big and then 6 months later somebody doubles it you know with another uh, company and so we we lose information the family's hoping you know if you'll just get out of here if you'll stay out of here for a period of time they'll forget about you so so why don't you do that why don't you leave uh, his family was on a rescue mission to save him from what they thought was imminent death well uh he did not, in fact, respond directly to the request that was given to him by that messenger. He didn't just walk out of the room and go out and talk to his uh, family. He used that as the substance for a time of teaching. And he began to talk to them about relationships. Uh, he used the family as a picture he said uh, you know maybe you heard my family's out there who, who is my family and he stretches out his arm over the folks who are in there now the scripture says disciples and we're not real sure who all that was we don't know if it was just men or if there were some women in there we don't know But Jesus' response is, behold, my mother and my brothers. He doesn't say sisters. He says my mother and my brothers. So those people that are right there. Um, I want to tell you about a uh, Sunday school party I went to about uh, 45 years ago. Uh, I had gone to college I think I've told you this before. When I left for college, my parents told me, uh, right before I left, they said, uh, do well because you can't come home. <laughs> that's what they told me as, uh, as I was leaving. And, uh, you know, I years, years later found out that that's what they told my brother too. Is he left, they told him that. And neither one of us went back much, as you can imagine. Well, I was uh, pastoring a little church when I was 19 years old. And I can name the people that were at the table when this revelation came to me. There was a man named Quince Davidson who was probably the most racist person I have ever known in my life. He was friendly to me. He would always welcome me into his house. I stayed in their house a number of different times. They opened their home up to me. There were about seven Davidson families in that church. And, of course, the church was just 100 people, so if there's seven families, you can figure out the the fact that there were a lot of Davidsons. Well, they were sitting around the table. And somewhere in the course of that evening at that Sunday school party, I looked around the table, and I said to myself, this is my family. This is my family right here. And it was. That was my family. Now, you know that I didn't get married till I was 50. And all the way through all the pastorates and ministries that I've done in my life, I always have conceived of the church as my family. And I want you to know here tonight that you are my family. I have a wife now and of course she's my family but that doesn't nix everybody else you're a part of my family I love you and I want to help in any way that I can I'm, I'm feeling uh, so sorry for Jim Shumway and his family Gwen is sick uh, she's the mother sick Jim's sick uh, everybody's sick. And, of course, they're not well, and they're not doing too well, and they need somebody to help them. And, uh, you know, I I just think uh, I can't go over there and camp out because there's other people. You know, there's a lot of other people that are having a hard time. I wonder... If you have ever had a particular time in your life when that event happened to you, was there ever a moment, and you remember the moment, when you looked around where you were and you said to yourself, this is my family? Well, a number of you are shaking your head. Uh, That was just as clear to me as it could possibly be. And that is... Uh, shaped my life. You know, there are some uh, preachers that see themselves as CEOs. They walk out when it's time to preach from the back room somewhere, and they come up and preach. And then as soon as they get through preaching, <laughs> they go back out, and uh, and they really don't want to see the people. They don't want to talk to the people. They don't want to be around the people. Uh, maybe they don't like the people. I don't know. Uh, But I want you to know that we have a great staff here at our church, all of whom are folks that are people-oriented. You know, I really appreciate Jim Feast in that he has a ministering heart. There's a lot of of music uh, ministers. You know, they're really into the music, but they're not much into people. And, uh, And Jim is. And Ed has one of the most tender hearts of anybody that I've ever known. And he loves people. He goes to see the same people every week. Ross uh, has so many talents. And even with all the talents that he has, he still loves people and reaches out to people and visits people, stops by hospitals to see people. That's really not a part of his job description. But he does it, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. We have been looking for a staff uh, person to take Ed's place. Ed is retiring. Incidentally, I don't know which committee I need to tell this to, but I want us to have a bang-up big party for Ed. Uh, You know, I mean a big one. Who's in charge of that? Who's in charge of that party? (laughs) The fellowship committee's in charge of that? Well, okay, whoever it is. uh, We want to have a really, really, and we want to do it before the Christmas holidays. We don't want to be right in the middle of all the stuff. We want to do it maybe in October, something like that, uh, to where everybody can come. We want to have a blowout for uh, Ed. And... uh, well you know the things that make somebody family are not rules. You don't have a family by way of rules. You have a family because of relationships. And and that's the key to our church. The key is is that you form relationships with visitors. The key is that you form relationships with folks that are in your Sunday school class. That's the great thing about Sunday school is that we have uh, opportunities for you to be in a small group, get to know everybody, get to love each other get to support each other in prayer and all that kind of thing. Sunday school is critically important, and we want to continue to build our classes. The thing that makes family work is relationships. Now, our church family needs to have hundreds, if not thousands, of relationships that cross all the lines with people inside the church and outside the church that we're trying to bring inside the church. Well, <clears throat> Jesus was not renouncing his family by not going right out. That That isn't what he was doing. He loved them even more than they loved him. They were worried that he was going to embarrass them. Uh, he just loved them. His last request from the cross, you remember, was to John that... He would help his mother, help to take care of her. And through his gracious love, his brothers and sisters came to faith after the resurrection. The Lord's purpose in referring to his disciples as his mother and brothers was to teach everybody that was gathered there that he invites the entire world into his intimate and divine family. Now there's a great big family in the world of believers, millions and millions of people that are believers, and they likewise are a part of your family. You might not know their name. You might know where they live, but they are related to you. They are brothers and sisters to you, and that is very important. Very important. Anyone can enter his spiritual family by trusting in him. And the family of God is the only family that ultimately matters. And you say, no, good night, no. My family here matters more than any other family. Well, I want you to put that in the perspective of time. People that aren't Christians are not going to be in heaven. Now, I don't know exactly how that's going to work, but I believe that will be taken out of your mind and you won't remember them. because that would be a lot of sadness. You know, if you thought, well, my son, my daughter, my husband, my wife, my aunts, my uncles, they're in hell, they're suffering this very minute. Well, I don't think we're going to know about them in heaven. I think God's going to take that uh, away. Ultimately, the folks that are in heaven are going to be our family forever. You know, I kid around about this, and I say every once in a while, you need to learn how to get along with everybody here because we're going to be together forever. You know, no point in being mad at anybody because uh, uh, you've got to get along with them. Well, there's a wonderful bond between Christians all over the world. You can worship anywhere in sense that these people know the same Lord that you know. Rules don't establish that. Relationships establish that. We have a relationship to Christ, and because of that, we're related to them. Cindy and I went to church in Jerusalem. There's a big evangelical church there, and we went. Uh, There were some odd things that went on there, but uh, we enjoyed it. One lady was uh, running around the sanctuary. I never quite understood that, but uh, she kept running around, and uh, I didn't try and stop her or anything. I just thought, well, maybe that's what they do. And there were other people doing other things. I thought it was very interesting. One of the pastors really looked kind of sloppy. He had on kind of old clothes. and I mean, he just didn't look very nice at all. And the other pastor, and they had two pastors that, that uh, did things in the service, and the other pastor had on a suit tie. It was just real weird. Uh, and they both preached for a while. And I thought, well, that's interesting. That was different. Cindy and I went to church in Copenhagen. And uh, there had just been a group walk by that had won a big soccer game. And I guess there were 500 people in the group that went down the street. And they were crashing beer bottles on the street. And they were blowing horns. And they were screaming. And they were all drunk. And it was just unbelievable. And Cindy and I got to this church and we went in. We said, what in the world? Are we having a riot? What what is that? They said, no, they they won the soccer game. That's what they do when they win. And, uh, you know, we just couldn't believe it, but that's what was going on. When we go to Hawaii, we go to church. And when we sit down in that church, we know that everybody in that church knows and worships the same Lord that we worship. When we go to Canada, we know that all of the people that are in those various churches are people that know the same Lord that we know. They have the same relationship to him that we do. So therefore, they're brothers and they're sisters uh, to us. And faith establishes that. That relationship is because of our faith in the Lord Jesus. Well, uh, anybody that accepts the invitation of Jesus has an intimate relationship with him. They know him. As they study his word, they get to know more and more and more about him. And finally, they feel like he's a part of their family, that he's in their heart, that he loves them. I hope tonight that everybody that's in this service feels like Jesus really loves me. Of course, he gave evidence of that by dying for you. So that's the culmination of of how his love was demonstrated in that he gave his life for you. A right relationship to Christ brings completely new life, both on the inside as our heart is transformed it's not just kind of tweaked on the edges it's transformed the whole thing is changed as we become believers as we become a part of the family of God and that's what we want everybody of course to be a part of tonight we want to give a time of invitation where we invite anybody that's here that doesn't know Christ as their Lord and Savior, to make a decision in that regard. Anybody that's here that needs a church home, we want you to come and join with us and help us in the ministry that God has given to us. We need help. We need you to come and and use the spiritual gifts that you have to serve our Lord. If you're just kind of floating around from church to church, you're not doing that. You're just floating. Floating doesn't leave anybody to Jesus. You know, we want to do some positive, demonstrable things that really help people to the Savior. Come and join with us if the Lord is encouraging you. Uh, the doors of our church are open tonight. We wish you'd come. Let's stand together and sing. I'll be waiting down here at the front.